0: Hello and welcome. I'm Melissa Snover, the CEO and founder of Nourished, and your host today for the first ever Nourished podcast series, Nourish Your New Year. At Nourished, we believe in five key pillars technology and harnessing it as an empowerment tool to make dreams come true. Nutrition is medicine and that prevention is always better than cure. Entrepreneurial thinking and challenging the status quo to create real positive change in people's lives. Sustainability and really walking that walk, creating businesses which are locally sourced, plastic free and sustainable from the top to the bottom. And lastly, plant-based power. Veganism and plant-based eating as a choice for the environment and our global public health. Over the series, we'll be talking to some of the most prolific leaders, industry disruptors and radical thinkers in hopes of inspiring you to nourish your health, your mind, your planet and your community in the new year to come. Today, I'm joined by Abigail Stevens from the Vegan Society to talk more about the incredible popularity and growth of the plant-based and vegan lifestyles. In 2019 The Economist named it the Year of the Vegan and there's no sign of this trend slowing down anytime in the future. The reasons for people becoming vegan are vast and the expansion around the fact that a vegan diet is actually a diet for the environment is also one of the big, big catalysts for this change. Abigail has been working with the Vegan Society for over five years As a trained journalist and a marketing professional, she's been helping them, the world's oldest charity, to keep up with the skyrocketing demand for vegan products, vegan product advice, and certifications for new products so that there is safety in buying items. The Vegan Society actually is the oldest uh, vegan society in the world. It's based in Birmingham, UK, and actually coined the phrase vegan in 1944. They are still the world leading organization in the certification for consumers around vegan products, and we're extremely excited to talk to her today. As Nourished is vegan, I've been making vegan products for 12 years, and I'm so happy to see that this trend is finally catching on in a really big way.
1: So hi again, it's Melissa here, the CEO and founder of Nourished. And I'm here today with another very inspirational leading expert in an industry and sector that we feel very strongly about at Nourished. Abigail Stevens is with me, and she is the trademark marketing manager of the Vegan Society, which is also um, just by chance located around the corner from our office, about like, what is it, two miles away uh, in ah, Birmingham. Yay, yes. go Birmingham! <laughs> Hi. <laughs> nice to have you, Abigail. Thank you so much for giving us your time. I can't imagine how busy you are in the lead-up to the holidays. So it's very, very much appreciated. It's a pleasure. Um, and I was wa- I was, uh, no, it's my pleasure. I was wondering if you could just tell our listeners, because I actually don't think many people in the UK really know... Um, the history of the vegan society here in the UK and the importance of it as a, uh, you know, in comparison to the global what is now an extremely strong and growing global trend for veganism around the world.
2: Of course, I would love to tell um, you all about that. So most people aren't aware that veganism, as a, like a concept, well, as the term vegan was coined right here in the UK. 75 years ago this year, so in 2019. Um, so our founder, Donald Watson, who created the Vegan Society, which is the educational charity that I work for today, they created the word vegan. That in itself is huge. And um, it's really great for us, like in the UK here, to, to kind of be able to say that we we were there right at the beginning. Um, and yeah, so as, a, as an organization, the Vegan Society, we, um, we created the word vegan, and since then we've been doing all a variety of different types of work to promote veganism, to support people um, who want to try out the lifestyle, to work with businesses, to help promote their products that are vegan friendly, um, and to, yeah, support all different types of industries and um, governments,
1: politicians in
2: promoting policies that help make veganism more accessible.
1: That's wonderful. And I'm a massive fan of the the vegan society. And I have been for a very long time. I've been uh, just to the listeners in my past life, I developed a vegan gummy. And I worked with the vegan society in 2010. And they were actually instrumental in helping me to promote it when I was a very very small operator and had like basically no marketing money and so being able to work with them to reach you know one of my extremely important um you know consumer markets was was really i think a game changer for for how i i basically started my my path as a food entrepreneur so i'm actually very much indebted to you guys Um, But I think it's really important um, also to mention, you know, the rigorousness that you guys treat the Vegan Society logo, um, as we have gone through this process many times. um, It's really important to ensure the safety of the products that you certify. And I can imagine now more than ever, you're being inundated with products and companies wanting (laughs) to get that Vegan Society logo on their packaging. What is it like?
2: Of course, Melissa. Well, as you say, back in 2010, um, when you were promoting your vegan gummies, they were it was quite a niche audience, really, and vegan consumers. And um, it was just as important as it is today for people to be able to find products that meet their needs, especially when it comes to vegan products. Um, and that's what the Vegan Society has been doing for the past 30 years, actually. So in 1990, we created our vegan trademark, which is essentially a product certification scheme that we run. So, we um, take these products through our extremely um, in, in depth checking process to make sure that they have no animal ingredients in them and no animal testing. And what that does in return is it gives the company um, our trademark to put on the pack. And it helps um, people when they're out shopping, when they're looking for vegan products for themselves or for their friends or family, find something that they know they can trust and it meets those standards. And it can be a minefield out there. Um, when it comes to labelling, but a really important fact about labelling with vegan products is that anybody can use the word. There's no legal definition of the word vegan when it comes to putting on a product. Um, so it opens up to a lot of confusion and that's why it's so important to have that clarity and that transparency with brands coming to us and working with us, just like yourself, um, to, to make sure that your claims are authentic and that your products truly have not used animals anywhere in the process.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a really important point to to mention because I don't think, um, as an average consumer, people are really aware of all the things that can happen through the processing, uh, ingredient sourcing, and supply chain for a product to come to market that can sometimes make it not vegan, which really would never come to mind. So, I mean, the thing that I always remember was when I started the previous brand, uh, we had to do a ton of work to prove that our that our um, cane sugar was not bone char filtered. Yeah. It's a process yeah. that's obviously used in certain parts of the world, where they actually use bones of animals to filter cane sugar at the point of uh, the initial processing. And obviously that's not vegan. The mm-hmm. And then there's more instances of this, I'm sure, um, Abigail.
2: So many instances of that. So the use of animals in the supply chain is so pervasive. Um, it pops up everywhere, you don't expect it to. And when it comes to somebody just walking down a supermarket aisle or looking on, on a shelf in the local pharmacy, looking for a product that meets their needs, those sorts of things won't be written on the label. Um, and it's, it's hard for them to know if, if that's your like ethical stance that you're trying to not use animal products, you're trying to be kinder to the environment. And kinder to your body, whatever your motivation is, um, it's really important that you can trust that product. And that information just currently isn't on the labels, which is why it's so important for those independent verifications, like our trademark, to give people the confidence when they're looking for things that meet their needs.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. And I think uh, if any of our listeners are thinking about going vegan um, for the new year or otherwise, Um, you know, I would absolutely recommend always looking for the Vegan Society trademark. I think there's so many times where I've picked up a bag of product and it says like vegan friendly on the front or something, right? And you're like, hmm. And then you (laughs) look on the back and you're like, yeah, but there's beeswax in this. I mean, not that I personally have a problem with beeswax, but beeswax is obviously not vegan and you just think there's no regulation really around this and I really do believe that your logo and your trademark is the gold standard not only in the UK but also globally and I I can tell Um, anyone who's looking to start a product or a food business in um, vegan products, um, that they should reach out to you right away. I think you guys give some wonderful guidance to manufacturers, to, you know, um, budding or aspiring um, entrepreneurs in order to allow them to have a Clear set of guidelines when they start to develop from the beginning, because that's easier than to go back and fix it, right?
2: <laughs> Completely. I think a lot of companies are surprised when they come to us and they're like, we have this product, it's vegan, and we're like, okay, we'll take it through our process. And when we have to tell them, you know, this ingredient doesn't meet the standards, they're often quite shocked, but also very grateful because it means that they, they have that like, honest communication with their audiences, with their consumers. I can't imagine anything worse than putting out a product and not meet the expectations and that high quality that you've set.
1: Yeah. And I mean, eventually, especially now in this incredibly educated and information sharing age, that kind of stuff comes out faster than ever and consumers are and, and rightly so not forgiving of companies that lie to them. And I think this is a a consequence that they cannot afford. So they need to be extremely proactive in ensuring that not only what the product, what happens to the product when it's there on their site, but also the processes and the supply chain, um, raw materials, et cetera, that they're using are also checked to the same standards uh, because that all has a part to play in it, obviously. It does. It does, and transparency is more important than ever
2: within an age of like greenwashing, where the environment is literally such a hot topic, and, and lots of different companies kind of jump on the on the back of that to try and attract a certain audience who are trying to be more environmentally conscious, trying to be more thoughtful with how they're purchasing products, and they they kind of try to capitalize on that. And it's important to make sure that companies you're working with, companies like Nourish, for example, are actually committing to those values by proving that their products do meet the standards. And yeah, on top of that as well, I think being in in this position as an organization that coined the term vegan, we've been registering products for over 30 years. As you just mentioned, we are a truly international standard. We work with companies based in over 54 different countries. And as it stands, I think we have over 44,000 products registered with our trademark. Um, So in terms of the knowledge that we have, we are are experts in our field and we're glad to be able to, to help other people with that knowledge and help guide people to make the right choices.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, I can absolutely testify to, to the truth of that because when I was doing the Goody Good Stuff brand, we launched it in America first. We, we made it in Europe and the UK, and then we, we actually couldn't get any buyers to take it because they said that no one cared about vegan In 2010, I, I was a little early, <laughs> but um, we went to America first and I sold the products in America. And Actually, one of the things that I was most um, yeah surprised but also delighted by was of all the certifications that we had gone through in the UK and Europe, um, the only one that stuck that they said we didn't have to get another American equivalent of was yours. So we had to get a new halal certificate. We had to get a new kosher certificate. We had to get a new gluten-free certificate, even vegetarian. There's a different trademark that's most recognized in America. But your trademark is, in my opinion, the most globally recognized trademark for for vegan. And that's an amazing thing. And I think that's extremely powerful. Um, And I think that not very many people know about it. Um, But I think I wanted to ask you something, Abigail, because you've been working with the Vegan Society for a while now. And, you know, this movement of veganism, like I mentioned, it didn't, it wasn't, it's not been happening for 50 years. It's really, really taken a humongous amount of speed and momentum and and picked up velocity in, I think, really the last two to three years. I would love to hear what that's been like (laughs) for you guys and what that experience has been like for the society in general. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's a really good observation. On a personal level, it looks like sleep deprivation (laughs) because it's so (laughs) in the best possible way. Um, from the the society's point of view, as you you said, yeah, I've been with the society for over five and a half years now. And I always like to think back of when I first joined. So um, it's an anecdote where basically uh, vegan cheese used to be really hard to get hold of. Back in the day, I say back in the day, five years ago, these days it's all over the supermarket shelves. You could go into any supermarket in the UK and you could find not not just vegan cheese, but also their own label. They're making their own vegan cheeses, not just one either, they've got multiple. But five years ago, that wasn't the case. And there was one brand of vegan cheese and you could only purchase it from like the next city along, so from Coventry. And that's where I was going to university at the time. And I would come into the office to volunteer at the Vegan Society and I would bring with me <laughs> like 20 blocks of vegan cheese to reach out to all of the staff because it was that inexpensive. And that's only five years ago. And thinking back, <laughs> like how far the the movement, how far the industry has progressed since then, it's mind-boggling. It's really, really positive. And it's not just in the UK either, it's all around the world. And I think one of the key driving forces for this. I actually wouldn't credit vegans for it. I think that so many more people are interested in the lifestyle and interested in like reducing the amount of meat that they eat, reducing the amount of dairy that they drink. Like the, the, the choices in every single coffee shop you go into. I wasn't a coffee drinker five years ago, so I have to admit I'm not very good at comparing the options. But I I know that even in the last few years, since I started drinking more coffee, probably the sleep deprivation, if I'm honest, (laughs) (laughs) but I've noticed when I go into a cafe and and when they say, which milk would you like? It's no longer skimmed, semi-skimmed or whole. It's, we're talking, oh, is it almond? Is it soy? Is it coconut? And that in itself is a, is a marvelous thing. It's making
1: it so much easier for people to make the transition. Absolutely. And I think that's a massive point. And um, I, when I started being a vegetarian was almost 20 years ago and wow. there was no, there was no plant-based meat alternatives. There was no corn. There was no, there was no nothing. I had beans on rice, a lot of chickpeas, some tofu, like actual like white silken tofu. That was like a <laughs> big part of my diet. And yeah. it's like, now you think, God, I would never eat that slimy stuff. Why did I eat that? Well, because I really had no choices. Right. And you're absolutely right. Everywhere you go, you can find more and more vegan products and they're coming out more and more. Um, I saw in Tesco the other day, they have a really nice selection of vegan frozen, which that's it to me relatively new. I was like, yes, yeah, well done guys, vegan ice cream and, um, vegan desserts in the chiller cabinet. And, uh, I thought, wow this is wonderful and i agree with you also that i don't know i don't know if it, this is all full time vegans that are causing this change but there is this mass market view and change towards habits even if it's you know, on a flexitarian basis where people are realizing that making more plant-based choices is, I I feel like this is the reason, maybe you tell me something different after I say this, but it's because it's obviously it's better for your health. I think people have known that for a while, but I think that people are making that decision based on the environmental impact that's getting a lot of uh, airtime at the moment and has been for a while.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I think it's important to remember there are like three key motivations really on why people might choose to go vegan. The first one, which is the one that we kind of came to this movement from, which is um, for, animal, for animal welfare, for animal rights. Um, and I think that back 30 years ago, um, that was one of the key motivations for people choosing this lifestyle. And maybe that was because we didn't know about climate change back then. We weren't as aware of the impact that, for example, red meat has on our health. Um, but it was certainly the key motivator back then, and I do believe that still, like that is what draws lots of people into choosing vegan lifestyle these days. Um, as we become more aware of it with social media, people are able to share imagery, share and um, share information. But the environment is just undeniably like it's around us all the time, and I'm not speaking literally in terms of the conversation about global heating and um, the, the conversation about like how the climate is changing we will need to take action on like a personal accountability level it's hard for people to deny the positive impact that reducing the um the of animals is having
1: absolutely i fully agree with that and to be honest for me i, I chose originally to go vegetarian for animal welfare um, and yeah, and I always change, chose, you know, um, free rate. In America, it's slightly different the way that they classify it. When I was in college, but like at the end of the day, um, that was my main motivation. Um, but then as you learn more and more it's like positive reinforcement and i i don't really mind why people choose to do this I, i'm just really glad that more and more people are because i think the environmental impact will actually um, affect everyone and our children and our children's children so it's really something that a mass movement is necessary on multiple levels and in eating being one and the supply chain associated with the food supply um, is one of those things and i think it's really Really, really interesting to see um, that you know that something's really changing when the large scale manufacturers start producing products for a specialty diet. Because yes. they would never do it unless they thought it was big enough, you know, to make money. They're very much yeah. numbers oriented and they're data oriented, so they would never do it. You know, it's more expensive. It's aggravating for them because it's outside of their normal capability yeah. and know-how. <laughs> and so, it's a big testament to the size of the movement that all these companies are are making these products. Because it's yeah, I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, I wanted to ask you a question, Abigail, because I constantly get asked this. And I actually think, although I don't want to get... I'm not in any way uh, wanting to uh, think negatively about the vegan movement. I also think it's really important for people to understand that not all vegan products are healthy. And do you Mm -hmm. get this ever where people ask you this question? (laughs) Ask us if vegan products are only healthy or... Yeah, basically, I get the feeling from people when we do a lot of these events, you know, like we'll go to like Veg Fest and like big mainstream consumer events, and people will see the word like vegan or vegetarian, and they'll assume that it's healthy. Um, and it's yeah. the same thing kind of where you used to see like the same thing is the case for gluten free. Oh, it must be healthy. Well, no, I mean, not really. It's just absent of, of gluten. Now, not to be said that a lot of vegan products aren't extremely healthy or healthier than their alternative. Um, I have also seen and had some of the best and most indulgent vegan cupcakes in the world. And I, regardless <laughs> of them being vegan, <laughs> I do not think that they are healthier for you. Um, what do you think? Do you think the mainstream consumer associates the word vegan with healthier? I think potentially at one
2: point they might have done. And make and that's probably a, a bit of a hangover, if I'm honest, on what you were talking about. You know, when you went vegetarian 20 years ago. And being a vegetarian meant tofu and lentils and chickpeas and bean and beans and rice, and I think that that might be a little bit of a hangover from that period. But in terms of like product innovation, I think it's come such a long way that now the focus on developing a vegan product is not to make a healthy product; it's to make something that imitates the the, the qualities of the food that consumers are currently purchasing and enjoying. So whether whether that's like a a burger which has the profile and the bite and the texture of a meat alternative that, that has like the levels of fat in it that makes it all greasy that like they're, they're going to be replacing the, the the meat fat with another oil or alternative that is plant-based so yeah it will be lower in cholesterol but it will still be high in fat so coming at it from that angle i think will be people who still think that vegan food is all salad leaves and grass (laughs) but (laughs) I'll be honest a bag of chips is vegan if they're fried in veg oil (laughs) and I've been I've been like both sides of that really when I first went vegan I was also a student and I was just looking at all of the convenience foods and back then they weren't even that tasty but they were easy so I had like a Pasta and potato diet, I just replaced um, like dairy because I, I was vegetarian beforehand. I just replaced dairy with carbohydrates, uh, which isn't really that great for you if you're not exercising. <laughs> so, in <it> terms <laughs> of probably never, like, I'm probably at the worst like state of my health. Um, Because I wasn't enjoying a varied diet. But that can be the case for someone who's vegan or someone who's not vegan. It doesn't really matter. We all have a responsibility to eat a a balanced, varied diet with lots of fiber, lots of vegetables. Um, And that is totally achievable on a vegan diet. But it's easy to not (laughs) do that and to just eat all those cupcakes and indulgent burgers and whatever it is that you sway towards.
1: I absolutely agree with you. And I think that's what's going to happen next is that people will stop thinking about it as a specialty diet and as a choice that, Motivated by um, ethics and/or um, responsibility, or um, yeah, desire for sustainability, etc., and that it doesn't change. You still need to balance the amount of nutrients you get and mm-hmm. the different, you know, a colored, varied diet with protein and carbohydrates and minimized of you know, monosaturated fats, etc. Uh-huh. That doesn't change what source it comes from. It doesn't make any difference. But um, that leads me to another question. You mentioned burgers. Now, I have been following you know the impossible foods and the beyond meat, and I've tried them, and they are i mean I haven't had a real burger in like i don't know probably twenty five years, so I don't really remember whether that's really what it's supposed to taste like, but I thought it was fine um However, the thing that I've really got thinking about recently I've been at all these innovation awards and events where we're oftentimes that next to these people who are creating plant based solutions. And there's a lot of the stem cell uh, growth style technologies that are emerging in yeah. meat. And yesterday I met someone who's was growing, wasn't it prawn? I think it was prawns. Yes, prawns. She was growing prawns from stem cells. And I wondered if you had any idea what the vegan society's view would be on that. It's a very
2: complicated one because as you mentioned, this is innovation. This is like brand new in a space which is just blowing up right now, especially in the US. Um, From like our point of view, our stance is that you don't need meat, proteins in your diet. There's so many alternatives out there from vegan sources that we don't believe that vegans should, should be like really looking towards this as, a, as an option for the future. I think in terms of where the technology is at, at the moment, it still relies very heavily on um, animal ingredients in order to, to have that technology. I think it's like bovine bone serum, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's not my area,
1: yeah.
2: I'll be honest. And um, in terms of the medium and what they're growing that on, it's still heavily reliant on some point at, of, of using an animal at some stage. It doesn't mean to say that on a personal level, I disagree with it ethically. Um, I think that that could be a huge attraction for people who aren't even considering veganism. So in America, for example, um, people who would be eating meat anyway, if they have a, like a cell-based alternative, which is really affordable, um, like cheaper than the, the meat alternative, the, the, sorry, the meat equivalent, if they have the option to buy that at a lower cost to them, and that means that there's like less animals in the factory farming system. I think that's a positive for that group of people who would never have considered um, completely cutting meat out altogether, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely agree. I think about it the same way, I think for me, I said the first time I read about it, I was with my team, I think we were at an event in America, and I was like, I'm not being funny, but vegans will never buy that. I hope that the vegans are not their demographic because I don't think that vegans would ever want to have, you know, lab grown meat from real animal cells. I don't think that that would appeal to somebody who's really fully bought into the vegan way of life. But what I do think is. That for what you just said, it's absolutely right. That there are some people, um, at least for the, for our generation, maybe our children's generation, will not ever even entertain the idea of going vegan. We know about them; they're very loud on the internet, <laughs> um, and I'm going to get probably some hate messaging on my LinkedIn now. <laughs> But no, I mean, and it's fine. Everyone's allowed to have their view and I have no problem with it. But you know, you'll know, you always see people um, commenting to any new vegan product. Yeah, I'll just keep my burgers, thanks, and this kind of thing. They'll never go vegan. They think it's crazy. So maybe this is a way of reducing the environmental impact of the meat uh, farming um, complication while yeah. still being able to provide a solution uh, in the food chain for people that want real meat you know quote unquote real meat and mm-hmm. i do think that for that reason it's still interesting i think these people who are doing it are absolutely geniuses i think it's amazing it makes you wonder why we're not growing human organs like that though you're like why aren't we making organs to save lives and stuff also i mean i would think that yeah. they are but it's way far behind um th- this side of it but either way i think it's interesting to see and i think um I think that will be a moral dilemma and a decision that will be talked about quite a lot when they start to finally bring it out um, around whether that really is better um, from a vegan point of view or not. Because if you really think about your true standpoint, if Mm -hmm. it starts with an animal material, then it's not vegan, right? No, not
2: from our trademark point of view. We would never be able to yeah. register cell um, cultured meat because it will always have been relying on an animal at some point. Um, yeah. like, uh, from the vegan society's perspective, it's our vision that the world one day will be able to be vegan. Um, and I think that that you know, through the years, we've already seen the growth, the interest in veganism, and how veganism is becoming more mainstream. When people are waking up to how this can really impact the future of our environment, if you, like our children's planet. Um, I think that that is attainable down the line, but in the short term, this could be a solution that can help people transition from relying so heavily on the meat industries currently are causing the most devastation into something that is almost like a segue um, that will mm-hmm. eventually like, kind of rule out needing to use animals at talk that's my dream
1: <laughs> um we all have yeah, to have- that's, that's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> I love that I love that dream I, I share it I, I absolutely share it with you and I think um yeah I, I'm super excited about the progress and I and I really feel quite yeah, humbled to be, you know, like in the middle of it. You know, I, I didn't really think that this would happen with this magnitude um, during the time that I was, a you know, a producer of vegan food. Uh, and I think that, you know, everyone together continually developing better options, it becomes an easier and easier uh, choice. Um, not just for people to completely transition, but also to trial, to go Mm -hmm. flexitarian, et cetera. And I know in the new year, a lot of people will be doing things like trying veganism for a month, um, really thinking about over the break about their health and their wellness. Um, you know, and I would encourage all of our listeners to check out the Vegan Society's website. It's an incredible resource and tool for when you want to think about um, going vegan. There's a great um, set of handbooks and tips there's a you know trusted supplier list there's even restaurant guides for different cities Um, and it is really set up there to help people uh, to learn about veganism and to you know try the type of lifestyle that it is and hopefully convert uh, to being a vegan in in the long term so um, as we close off Abigail I just want to thank you so much for your time.